Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. Welcome to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm Jo Harrop and I'm sitting in for the amazing Colette Cooper for a couple of shows. It was a pleasure to have been a guest on this great show and it was a real honour when Colette asked me to sit in for her. As you know, this podcast is all about the incredible contribution that women have made to blues and jazz since day one. Today's show is dedicated to the incredible jazz and R&B singer Randy Crawford. Hovering by my suitcase Trying to find a warm place to spend the night Randy was born in Georgia in 1952 but grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. She began singing in clubs as a teenager, but made her name in New York after working with the likes of George Benson and Cannonball Adderley in the early 1970s. After years of touring and recording, mostly as a guest vocalist, she scored a huge hit with Street Life in 1979, which she recorded with the Crusaders. The track was featured in films such as Sharky's Machine and Jackie Brown. Her follow-up solo tracks like One Day I'll Fly Away and You Might Need Somebody became soul standards and in 1980 was named Most Outstanding Vocalist at the Tokyo Music Festival. Randy's 1981 album, Secret Combination, stayed in the UK album chart for 60 weeks and in 1995 she returned to her soul roots, recording an album with Bootsy Collins and the Fred Wesley Horns. She's performed with greats like Al Jarreau and Quincy Jones and recorded albums with fellow crusader Joe Sample, including a live session at Abbey Road Studios before retiring in 2018. And the rest is history. A rainy night in Georgia Such a rainy night in Georgia I believe 
that it's raining all over the world. My guest today is a popular vocalist who regularly performs around London, my friend Esther Bennett. Esther and I caught up for a natter not long ago, the day after she launched her EP online, and I asked her how that went. We had a really good time. You know, everybody put so much work in and we put so much work into the EP and it really paid off. We really, really enjoyed it. It was really lovely. Great band and um, and you were on fire, on form. Very funny, keeping us all entertained as well with your in-between chat. I love that. Um, so basically, you've been really pretty busy lately and you've been involved in two really great projects that um, over the past few months, haven't you, with the... Um, Duncan Lamont songbook and also your new EP with Terence Collie. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your EP that you've just launched with Terence Collie. Um, uh, just can you tell us how you inspired, what inspired you to make this lovely EP, the songs um, that you chose to do and how you've uh, gone about writing them and recording them? Well, we, we don't want to mention lockdown too much, but of course the whole reason I thought, right, what, what am I going to do songwriting? Um, we got all our gigs cancelled, as we know. So that's history. So right from the beginning, I thought, right, I've got a couple of songs. Well, I've got more, more than a couple that I'd already written over the years. And I thought, right, I'm going to write songs. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's time to do that. I've got the time to do it. And what else am I going to do? So I started writing new, a new one. And I was doing contrafacts, you know, where you put um, a melody and... Uh, words over an existing usually a jazz standard you know you've got your set of, you've got a chord set of chord changes and you just put a different melody and um words over it and of course the possibilities are endless then because you know all the jazz yeah. standards so I thought well this will keep me going for a bit and I, I set a task myself I wanted to make it a bit clever and difficult just to show off my jazz knowledge you know the, the song I started with I used as a competition so I can't say what the um, actual standard that I put it over but I quoted bits of people who'd done it and bits of solos from jazz recordings and from the singer who sang you know yeah. and I did another one that I didn't use which is really quirky and clever and I'll say that it was over all of me it took me ages took me ages and ages but I really enjoyed it I'll put that on the next album and um then I had a couple of songs I'd already written with musicians with uh, one was with Bruno Dambra one with Jeremy Stacey and I thought right they're nice and then Terence Colley put up a beautiful instrumental called End of Summer with a lovely animation. Yeah. Because, you know, he'd been very busy from the beginning doing yeah. videos that you saw with various things that we know. And he was really productive. And so I contacted him and I said, because we work together, we mates, I said, could I put some lyrics on that? And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, please say, please say, please say. He said, well, we could, we could record it if you like. And I was like, oh, what a good idea. And then I said, well, I've got a couple of other songs. And then he said, well, why don't we make an EP? Which actually I hadn't thought of. And it was like, wow, great. Because we'd already got the decided with lockdown, we had to make what was going to be an album into an EP with the songs that we got with the Duncan. And that was in the bag. And I thought, God, yeah, an EP of originals. So um, I just needed to write one more, which was a load of Duncan Lamont. And we'd got the tracks uh, the songs were absolutely stunning and there was one that particularly um people i could see in the comments underneath that really grabbed people which was your quirky um satirical little song about the yellow label food shopping which was which was brilliant <laughs> it was really tongue-in-cheek yeah yeah that's the contrafact and it's a it's a it's quite a quirky jazz standard it's a moderner one and it's not one of the old you know 
Gershwin's or twenties and thirties or forties. It's, it's a more modern one, not recent. And yeah, because uh, I'd, I'd had conversations with various friends. It's like the yellow label stuff. It's a, you know, it's a real godsend. You know, you can create meals and stick it in the freezer. You know, and. Um, <laughs> And I, and I kind of had an eye and still do. Um, I've got to look into all that. I, don't, I know you've just done some stuff with Jeff Gascoigne and I want to pick his brains about library music because Duncan, Junior, Duncan Lamont, I mean, worked a lot in library music. And I'm kind of thinking with that song, Sainsbury's Tesco's. Tesco's away for his money, 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 money. But I don't know. Just to prove that Esther can write a song about anything including her shopping <laughs> and were there any were there any female artists from jazz and blues that inspired your songwriting in this particular ep or in the in the songs that you've written in the past and the, the ones that you choose is there anybody who um either a, a vocalist or um an instrumentalist who've inspired you well with that particular song and with the all of me one you know uh, a modern singer, a new one, you know, Cecile McLaren Salvant. Yeah, yeah. The stuff I put over all of me, which is quite weird and it's got odd things. In it. It's about love, but it's quite sort of scientific. And uh, I thought, is this, a, can you use words like, I can't remember something that happens when you fall in love, you say, something happens in your brain. And I thought, can I use that medical term? And then I listened to September in my years of Frank Sinatra, my favourite Frank Sinatra oh, yeah. album, which was my mom's. It's and she sat me down once to tell me why it was so good and went, we went through the songs. And the um one of the lines is how's your sacroiliac today? He's talking about getting older. I thought, well, if Frank Sinatra can put sacroiliac, I can put I can't remember what the it'll it'll come up. It'll it'll come to me, but it's something in uh, your frontal cortex or something closes down or something like that. It was it was all about what happens to you when you fall in love, but in a very sort of clinical, scientific and on romantic way but other, but the the yellow label stuff i was talking to duncan lamont jr about it because of course his dad was a great songwriter and i thought is it a bit weird to kind of write songs about yellow label and you know food and supermarkets and then um annie ross i, I can't remember the actual song but I, I then heard a song by annie ross which was about the the vegetable market or the going up the farmer's market <laughs> yeah. so i thought well okay i'm in good company I suppose Twisted is a quirky one. I don't really like that song. Women get called mad all the time, so I don't like It's not one of my favourite songs. But, you know, in the jazz canon, there are quirky songs too. So, yeah, I felt yeah. It is hard to get to stray, to stray away from um, the old slushy romantic topics, I think, and, um, and to, to figure out how to write songs, quirky songs that are different and unusual is, is, is a real skill I find um, you know and it, and it also shows your personality because if anybody's ever seen Esther performing I highly recommend it that you know you're really great with a story and you and you you've got a real personality that shines through in your singing and also in the chat in between so I, I'm I'm wondering um, which singers you aspired to when you first started out you know when you first thought I'm going to sing because you started off on the on, on the saxophone and you were an actress for a while too so which kind of singers made you think yeah I really I really want to I really want to do jazz singing I really want I would love to kind of that really inspires me to sing well I was always singing and at school which was a grammar school King, you know I'm from Birmingham I, I, I'm just doing a website and I've written my story and you know in retrospect you look back Birmingham it's impossible not to be musical because I mean on the on our shop in High Street at the one end of it was one of the most 
well-known and famous reggae record shops in 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 Europe, uh, Don Christie's and all the Jamaicans and, and UB40 used to hang there. Also, way down was a pub, the Red Lion, that played jazz three nights a week. And I used to sneak in when I was about four, 13 or 14. That was more famous for UB40 recording Red Red Wine in there. And the other end, you've got Mosley, which is a very bohemian, the Mosley Jazz Festival there. And, you know, the melting pot, there's, I've been looking into it more, not just the Spencer Davis group and, but there's, so it all comes from there. But I was always singing, but at school, because I used to mock about, at the back, and the singing teacher would be, it's a shame, you know, because you've got a lovely voice. And I was always told how musical I was, but I didn't continue with it really, even though there was a good music department, because at that time, I couldn't really equate the classical with the subculture. It didn't work. But so we were always into singing and then going clubbing. So it would have been, first of all, people like Randy Crawford, Aretha, and I'm really pleased now I can pull that Rio de Janeiro blues. I've been wanting to sing that all my life and oh, I still yeah. haven't cracked it. But because soul, I have a lot of respect for. I don't, you can't just have a go at that music. And so I've been working in that direction, you know. So it would have been Randy Crawford, Aretha, of course, Aretha. Yeah. And I think one that really made me go, I want to sing. I never wanted to be a pop star. I always wanted to go, I want to be in a Soho in a little divey bar or maybe it's a strip joint, but I'm the singer. I always <laughs> wanted to be a, a middle-aged singer, really. Uh, I never really wanted to be. With the sax, I thought, well, I'm going to put a skirt on these Prince, you know, could be in Prince's band. But with the singing, I never envisaged pop, young, maybe, uh, you know, um, easy listening now. But um, so my the Aretha that I fell in love with, I bought an old Nina Simone album that was bluesy, Trouble yeah. in Mind and all that. Oh, yeah. And that was about 13. I remember I put it on the shelf in my bedroom and I thought, there's something about this. That was the first blues I listened to as a female vocalist was Nina Simone. And it wasn't yeah. one of her... It was an old one. I can't find it. or I, I could find it, but Trouble in Mind and I'm Blue. And all, excuse me, all the tracks were really bluesy. And I thought, wow, I'd like yeah. to do something like that. You know, and you've got that bluesy vibe in Birmingham, you know, with Joan Armour trading and all that. Mm. Lot. I really want to, there's a big heritage of blues, but I thought there's something about that. And then I got an Aretha old crackly old thing, and I used to have a little record player next to my bed. And it's the one, I can't remember whether it's Columbia, and it's the one with the strings, like, um, what is romance without the one you love? Yeah. Oh, her really, early yeah. records were fabulous. Yeah. The Ray Bryant combination and stuff. Is that like what that. they are? Yeah. yeah I, it I, could have I, been Ray Bryant. Yeah. I think it was. I think you're right. And it's like there's all strings and she does a couple of jazz standards, but there's things like yes. nobody knows except my pillow at night, cry like a baby. And I was like, oh, and the atmosphere. And I think of the vinyl and the strings. And I thought, I want to do this. This is I want to I want to be a singer or, or at least perform in the, the sax and that. And then when I was getting into singing, the first thing that made me go, oh, that's jazz, was that Swinging Easy album, Sarah Vaughan. Oh, yeah. And, of course, when I first started singing on the jazz scene, because I played a lot of sax, everybody said, oh, you listen to Billie Holiday. Billie Holiday. And I was like, no, I want to sound like Sarah Vaughan. Yeah, you do. People, all sorts of people would come up after every gig. Ah, uh, yeah, you're a big Billie Holiday fan. And at the time, I didn't quite get it. I thought, sounds a bit funny singing and I thought but I can see now the phrasing and the yeah. rhythm and the and it's and Jean Toussaint said that as well and you know blah 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 and it's it's you know I get it I get it and of course it's incredibly flattering but actually I wanted to sound like Sarah Vaughan 
<laughs> well, you've definitely got your own unique <laughs> voice, I would say, Esther. I think that, you know, you've got a real, I think it, I think it's a lot, when I first saw you perform, you really told the story and that was what really um, drew me to you and your style of singing was that you were a real storyteller and you said that it was because you were into acting for quite some time. Um, yeah, see, see, in the Birmingham as well, you know, the Birmingham like a good old gab, and, we, and the funny, uh, with the songs and you're talking about quirky, I really feel confident with, and um, with the, hu I trust quirk my quirkiness and humour now. I always did, but I really trust it now with the songwriting. I know it's going to work, you know, and, I, I, and I'm very self-critical, very self-critical, but I like those songs. I think they're really good. And it takes a lot for me to say that. Can I just say with when you talk about acting, other singers as well, mm -hmm. getting later with Carmen Gray, Dinah Washington, that's the style I like. But yeah. also Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland. Judy Garland, uh, uh, you know, those songs, the one where she's singing The Man That Got Away and all of them. And, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Barbara Streisand, <laughs> the purity of her voice yeah. is just nothing like it. Absolutely. So the so did the singing become before the sax playing or after the sax playing or around? But you so you were singing. Oh, you were singing all your life. Where did the sax playing come into your to your musical well, life? Well, I wasn't performing and singing all my life. I was I, I could always sing, but I was really shy of it. I could always sing. Mom, I did. Her mom with the neighbour says, "Esther, oh, she was still uh, the last night singing her head off in bed, you know." <laughs> and uh, but. I started on sax, but I wouldn't sing. I did, with the musical theatre, I started to, but it, because I revered the voice and singers so much, I thought, there's no way I'm having a go at this. And I hadn't done as much work on it. And I just was very shy about singing. I just wouldn't do it. And I was working with John China, a lovely one of those lovely old pianists who could play everything in every key from yeah. the days when, you know, they would do a TV show in the afternoon, a gig in the early evenings. There's a lovely guy, beautiful player. And he said, sing, and he encouraged me. And I started singing on the gigs and learn and working on the voice more. But I was always really, I wouldn't do it because, I mean, not just with the live gigs, but you're out clubbing. The music you're listening to, uh, the music we've listened to in our heritage, and we're, you're, you were at the clubber and the rare groove as well. You're talking top stuff. We weren't just into it. You know, it took me ages to go, oh, I suppose actually Duran Duran, it's quite a good record. In the 80s, I wouldn't listen to pop. <laughs> you know, wouldn't listen to anything unless it was really cool. And you, you, and then with the music and with the jazz, we we know great stuff. So you set the bar high for yourself, and I'm glad I did. You know. Are we going to see you playing saxophone live at any point, Esther? You might. Oh. Well, <laughs> I've got some old recordings, uh, CDs, and cassette tapes at first demos, and I am actually gonna. I'm just getting, uh, I've just had my first CD just in time uploaded and, you know, I'm having a website built. So that's all done. But a bit later, I'll do early, early, the early years. Now I feel I'm a big star. I feel I can bring out the early years album. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have some social media posts of you playing the saxophone as well as the singing. And while we're on that subject, where can, where can we find you? Where can people find out on your, your um, if they want to follow you, we, what your um, you've got a website that's being built at the minute and some social media as well. They can find out more information about your gigs and, and your releases. You'll be able to find me at estebenicmusic.com. I'm getting a lovely website done. Daddy Adelecci, very, very good. I know you've got a lovely website, but if anybody out there needs one, I'm going to do a plug. <laughs> you know, Amy's a bass player and um, 
very good bass player. And I didn't expect anything less because I think once you're brilliant at something, you're going to be good at something else. So I'm really happy with that. And he does a nice rate for musicians. But meanwhile, um, Facebook, Esther Bennett Music on Facebook. I've got a music page and my own page, and I've put most of stuff on both. Instagram, at Esther Singing. Twitter, uh, Esther Sings, you know. Often, sometimes, you, you go, if you Google, I come up straight away with lots of stuff, but sometimes it, Easter Bennett from uh, Eternal comes up. Oh, yes. And you, and so and so your CDs and EPs and such are available through, they're going to be available through your website and on the usual places? Well, they'll be on the website, but meanwhile, they're on, you know, Esther Bennett on iTunes, Apple and Bandcamp. I know and there's, there's a lot of wonderful releases out there at the minute and I was just wondering if you um if there's any other female jazz and blues artists around at the minute who are on the scene who you know who you feel are shining through because there's obviously in this lockdown period there's been a lot of um activity going on behind the scenes of people releasing and creating and getting out there so who is there anybody who you've like seen or heard who you think yeah they're they're really making waves on the scene at the minute they're, they're I really like what they're doing well there's somebody who's doing really really well she's great and gorgeous girl really down to earth really love her uh, what's her name Jane Jack Joe no, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. This is your show, Esther. This is about you. Definitely not Aradon, that's more me. Stop. Yeah, she's, uh, she's quite a good bird. I like her. Uh, and uh, great voice and doing good, and so she should be. So, yeah, I like Bless her. <laughs> I love Sarah Delecki as well. I love oh, her. Yeah. She, I just love her expressions, a freedom of expression as well. She, it's... Apart from her knowledge, she was a cellist, you know, um, she's actually the wife of uh, the guy who's doing the website. Yes. But she's so into the sound. Mm. And, and what's so important is that sound. And and to make that sound, I, I love watching the expression of that sound come out. She's like all music. She likes yeah. it. Spot. And she wears really nice dresses and she's lovely. <laughs> she's really lovely. I like her. She is. Yeah. So that we're talking about Sarah Dowling, also known as Sarah Delecci after Mary. I don't know what she's going by for her stage name now, but yes, yeah, she is wonderful. And anyone else? Well, let me look, let me just say, I think, you know, I've come to a time in life when if, I, if people are doing things that, all of us people on our scene, it's just, call it the grassroots at the moment. How long have we spent doing it and how good do you have to be? And I remember somebody once saying, oh, I don't, you know, I said, how good do we have to be? People have put their life into this. They're certainly mm. not doing it for the money. So for me, this, I, Georgia Mancio's out there. She's got stuff for Zoe Gilby. I listen to these things and you think it's good stuff. Yeah, it is very good really good stuff and when you I listen to radio a lot not you know you're the one that you do with David Lewis but the Robert Elms which I was on recently and Jamie Cullum and Ian and Mike Vicky's one at Ronnie Scott's and all the other smaller ones and you know Jenny Green and you listen to them on radio you know you listen to your own stuff isolated or on your thing you when you listen to it in, a, in the context of radio it's can I say a, a mild swear word or not no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying no. <laughs> blooming. It, it's blooming good. You know, yeah. Emma Smith. Emma Smith. She's on one of she's on one of the podcasts. I mean, I watch her stuff. I don't keep up with it all the time, but her scatting. Oh yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. She's and uh, I, you know, and I mean, those are she she knows because she's she's got just feel like a sticker up. She's fab, Natalie Williams. All the girls are and guys, of course, but I'm talking about the women. Just great, and I I could talk more about the instrumentalist Hannah Horton, of course, who I work with. Oh, she's brilliant! Oh, she was amazing yeah, last great. night on your gig. Ah, that that solo, the battery tone solo on stolen. Barry, yeah, amazing. Uh, and and Sophie Alloway. Yes, she's been on one of these podcasts. But you know, I'm I'll stick to the singers for a bit. But well, of course, no, it could be instrumentalists as well, just artists. I mean, we, you know, you you're listing them off, and I'm wondering if you think that you know the the girls are doing well on the jazz scene at the minute because it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's been a very male dominated world. Um, you know, do you think that it's easier now for for female artists? Definitely easier for instrumentalists. Um, I, I mean. I was talking to Sophie about it, and she's very like me, you know. We don't go, oh, yeah, I'm a woman. I'm not really a pop basher, you know, or a protester. But I've lived as a, I don't read the books, but I've lived as a feminist, you know. I've lived an alternative. Like, I am alternative and independent. That's not always easy. I was talking to Sophie about it last night. But the older you get, the less you give a poo, (laughs) you know. And you accept lots of things as well, you know. But, um. It's when I, and in my day as well, you know, the, the saxophonists, a lot went into salsa, reggae. There's a lot of people from that era or, or avant-garde stuff, which I love. I was in a 20 saxophone, female saxophone unit called Mass Producers. I love the avant-garde scene. I'm going to get, I did some workshops with my sax a couple of years ago and I was going to do workshops again, but of course then there was COVID. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to, I just haven't had time, but uh, I'm going to, at least work myself up to going up to the jam at, at Andy Davis. But you get much more. I used to like quite like being the only girl sometimes, you know, mean a load of guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but no, but seriously Honestly. speaking. Yeah, exactly. It's like me and the boys, oh my God, you know, should I choose? <laughs> but um but I must say I go up to that jam now and you see bass players, blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. not just it's always that if you're allowed in your family to go with your creativity, it's easier. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's not always the same for everybody, but that doesn't matter from different classes or whatever. But it's better now. Everything's better now because the generation of young kids have grown up with parents who are really hip to music and all sorts of music. But you just see that they didn't have the same, oh, shouldn't you be getting married and having kids? And, you know, it's not something I bewail, and it's something that really family grew to go don't even question it. But if I wanted to get into it, it's not sort of choosing the independent, free boho lifestyle. I wrote that song about it. It's what how people treat you, even people who care about you. And it's like, oh, I will be extreme now. Oh, you think you can treat me slightly aggressively because I've not bred? Wow. <laughs> didn't realise that. You know, I've learned to do these things. That doesn't happen a lot, but it's still there. That right, sort of yeah. thing is still there. Some women enable it too. Uh, so, but it's a lot better, and of course that would have meant that lots more girls. Plus, uh, jazz. The other thing that's changed a lot is jazz education in schools and colleges. You know, when I was starting, there was only the guild or uh, they wouldn't have been teaching it at school. I don't think you'd got leads, but of course it's part of school curriculum now. So that opens doors. So yeah, loads yeah. more doors have opened, and of course that can Absolutely. only be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, with a thing, it's much better for men there. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of new, fresh talent and, and young people 
you know, appearing on the scene and, and really doing great things as well. You know, you look at the Kansas Smitty's lot and, and, um, and people like that. And there's a lot of, there seems to be, it seems to be like there's a little revival in, in jazz, really. Um, is there anybody who you can think of who you feel is, is kind of really breaking through right now? What you, in, in, like Rob in, Lofton, these young, just young cats, like it seemed to take years before people were doing great things on the scene um, in jazz, really you had to really earn your stripes, but it seems like there's a much younger group of jazz musicians and group uh, younger people going, younger audiences attending jazz concerts these days in London, especially. It's difficult for me because I'd always been to the, been to and worked at the six and, and out on the jazz scene. So I'm seeing grassroots jazz at least four times a week for the last 30 years. So for me, it was always like there was lots of, lots of young people involved. So it was always the community that I was in. So it was difficult to see it from the outside. But what's different now is, I suppose when I was younger and all the six and six lot, they were very specific. It was either hard bop, bebop or fusion, you know, uh, brekker stuff and or, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas now, and you'd, nobody did uh, the old stuff or trad, but now there seems to be such a big variety. You've mentioned yeah. Kansas cities. There's um. Adrian Cox, who does his, you know, clarinet, all bringing all this stuff up. Uh, there's the new stuff, the Afro beat, the break, broken beat stuff, you know, Blue Lads beat, David Marat, Paul Gray. Binker Golding was always at the six yeah. from the age of about 13 or 14 with his dad. Right. You well, know, and then, I mean, I'm not so up on, I don't, you know, if I was younger, I'd have probably been more on that actual scene of the, with the Nubia Garcia and all that lot, you know, um, but... Um, don't go out as much or well, nobody goes out at the moment and you tend to go out I'd go out if it's networking in my my community as well you know but um the, it's the variety uh of stuff and yeah. um I mean I don't care how the audience is as long as as, as long as, as, long as there's one. an audience <laughs> it's but it's just just it's just um, great, you know, like obviously when we can all go back out to gigs that there is a scene there and it is really thriving, it seems to be. Um, you know, it, it's um, it's definitely, like you said, it's got a huge variety of talent uh, of all ages and of all different kind of genres within jazz. And, and it just seems to be quite exciting at the minute. It is, I need to spread the money out a bit more, but that's another thing. But it was always like that. It was the same in the Giles, Peterson, Strait, no chase the days, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, that showbiz, a small group of people get the money and good luck to them. But, you know, that's always going to be the case. And, yeah, I mean, look at the other young people as well that are just amazing. There was the snarky poppy stuff. But Jacob mm. Collier. Yes, yes. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's a lot going on. But it's all brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, energy Speaking and of the very, very young to the very, very old, you, um, the jazz community, lost a very, very special um, gentleman. Are you about me? Oh, not <laughs> yet. No, <laughs> Duncan Lamont, who was a beautiful um, saxophonist, artist, songwriter, player, and such a gentleman, and we sadly lost him very recently. But you worked with him a lot, and I was just wondering um, if there was any great stories that you've got from when you were on the road working with Duncan Lamont <laughs> that you can share with us that are, that that are. Oh, you're, laugh you're laughing like it's going to be something that we have to censor here, but um... <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I could tell you loads of those, but I'll tell you when we have a coffee. I'll probably oh, okay. tell you coffee, haven't I? Um, <laughs> Anything you can share today with us? Uh, this, this, is a, this is a great one, and it is a dunk. Uh, right, Swansea Jazzland, uh, which is run by Dave Cottle, who's a, there's a bass player, Lawrence Cottle, and his brother, Richard Cottle. Mm -hmm. 
stalwarts of the jazz scene. And Dave is also a musician, has run a jazz night in Swansea Jazz Land for ages. And we got that, and that was really exciting. And then a couple of people said to me, oh, you know, uh, careful though, they like a drink. I said, well, at the time, you know. I said, well, I like a drink. Excuse me, I like a drink. And they said, no, no, this is different level. I mean, this is different. So anyway, we get to Swansea and we're just putting the key in the truck, the, the, you know, traveller. Hi, yeah, it's Dave, yeah, I'm over the road in the pub. You're coming over. And uh, they, they've got a round rod of Ivra in uh, Swansea. They don't, it's not an English drink. They, they drink a lot, but there's something, and they're very, they're quite dark and quite good looking, you know. It, it's a really vibey town. And I said, well, I'm just, we've just arrived. And Well, okay, I'll see you. There's a pub next to the venue and I'll see you there about five. So I thought, well, I'll pace myself, I'll pace myself. Oh, Christ. And when we get there, and it's great, but by the halfway through, I'm battered. And uh, it was great. I forgot the words to one, and I'm, I'm, you know, doing all the histrionics. And at the end, I'm like, oh, no, was I a bit... Dave said, oh, don't worry, the whole audience is uh, bladdered by halfway through. It was great, loved it, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was really good money in cash. Put it in my bag or wherever I put it. So we get, we're all going out, we're all going out, we're all going out on the town, on the town. I get out and we get to the travel lodge first. And I'm like, uh, too, because Duncan's going to go home or we're going to go out drinking till the early hours, me and the lads. <laughs> I do the, I've lost the money. I've lost the money. Where's the money? Everybody's, where's the money? She's lost the money. She's lost the money. Ringing up the club. Is the money there? Did you leave it on the pool? No, I've lost the money. Birmingham accent comes out and I'm drunk. Where's the money? I've lost it. <laughs> Duncan's just standing there with his hands folded. <laughs> we're in between at the travelers you know when you get a, a, an automatic door then you get a vending machine and you get another automatic door so we're in an enclosed space which is useful for later <laughs> we've lost money phone calls yet no it's not on the phone i've lost them and duncan's just standing there with his head down looking and then eventually after all these phone calls and goes the money people are in and out she's lost the money uh, we can't move on to and Duncan goes, is it in your handbag, Esther? <laughs> so I look in my handbag and there's a massive wad of money. <laughs> what do I do? I pick it up, enclosed space. I throw it in the air. We're in the money. We're in the money. <laughs> and all these, friends, all these notes come raining down, <laughs> which was funny the first time. I did it about three times. It was wearing a bit thin. No, but uh, So that was our Swansea story. <laughs> was that everybody's money? That was everybody from the band's money. Oh yeah, Not but your money. I, no, oh, it's everybody. But we collected it all up. But I just saw it. We're in the money. We're in <laughs> the money, and um, it all rained down on us. But I knew I could do it because it was an enclosed space. And like I said, everybody was in fits of laughter. So I did it again, and it's like, hey, yes. And by the third time, it's like, hey, yeah. Can you just <laughs> give us some money? That's the show for this week. Sisters in the Shadows was presented by me, Joe Harrop, and is a Pod People production. Thanks to Jake Trapper and Mike Hansen for the production support, and thanks to Colette for asking me to do this. All the music featured today will be added to the Sisters in the Shadows guests and influencer playlist on Spotify. This podcast is in support of the Nordoff Robbins charity, which Colette is an ambassador for, so please help support them in any way you can. Sisters in the Shadows will be back on your feed next Friday and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.